A recent poll determined the top causes of stress. Uh, Number one is work. Number two is finances. Number three is personal relationships. Number four is children. Number five is daily hassles of being too busy. And number six is making a right turn from Mullen Road onto 58 Highway with some (laughs) fool honking behind you because you haven't turned quickly enough while you're trying to figure out if the blinking yellow light means it's safe to turn or if you're going to run into the guy coming out of Home Depot with six sheets of plywood on top of his car that aren't tied down. (laughs) That one really wasn't on the poll. I just made that one up myself. But today's passage out of Philippians is the classic anti-stress strategy. And it even comes with a manufacturer's guarantee. It is guaranteed by God. Uh, Verse 7, we have the promise, the guarantee in this passage. Let's read this together. If you do these things, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will keep your thoughts quiet and your heart at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. Wouldn't you love to have your thoughts quiet and your heart at rest? Anybody up for that? How do you get there? How do you get there? He says, if you do these things, God guarantees it. What are these things? Number one, on your outline, if you want to keep from stressing out, refuse to worry about anything. Because the number one source of stress in your life is not work, it's worry. You know, you may be overworked, but it's more likely you're overworried. You know, work doesn't keep you up at night. If you good hard work puts you to sleep like a baby, but if you're worried about work, that'll keep you awake. And God is very clear in the Bible about what he thinks of worry. Philippians 4, 6, never worry about anything. Never worry about anything. Never and anything. Any wiggle room in there? Any exception? Any exemption? No. I mean, that is as big a blanket statement as you can make. Never worry about anything. Now, God and Jesus recognize that as human beings, we struggle with worry. In fact, in Jesus' most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, he has a huge section in there where he talks about worry because he knows what a problem it is for us. And he gives us in there, he gives us four reasons why we should never worry. First, Jesus says worry is unreasonable. It's illogical. It doesn't make sense to worry. Matthew 6, 25. Don't worry about your life. What you'll eat or drink or about your body, what you wear, is not life more important than food, is not the body more important than clothes. He says it's illogical, it's irrational, it doesn't make sense to worry. Why? Because worry doesn't work. It doesn't work. Worry never makes a problem smaller. Worry always exaggerates a problem and makes it bigger. Worry is worthless. Worry is stewing without doing. To worry about something you can't change is useless. To worry about something you can change is a waste. Just change it. In either case, worry doesn't work, so it doesn't make any sense. Next, Jesus says worry is unnatural. In all of creation, the only creatures that worry are human beings. Birds don't worry, cows don't worry, dogs don't worry. Now, I know chihuahuas look like they're worried, but they're not. They're not. They're just making that up. Worry is unnatural. 
uh, Matthew 6, 26. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Notice he says, your heavenly Father. He's not talking about the bird's heavenly Father. He says, your heavenly Father. God is not the bird's father. God is the bird's creator. God is not a pet parent. He's a creator. Animals are not the same as people. People hold a higher ranking in God's kingdom than the animals. You are much more valuable than they are. Only people get to call God Father. And only those people who trust in Jesus Christ get to call God Father. Because it's trusting in Jesus that gives you the power to become children of God. So people who trust in Christ are children of God. They're royalty and they are treated royally. Jesus says, what do you got to worry about? Verse 28 and 29, he says, why do you worry about clothes? Look at the lilies of the field. They don't worry about theirs. Yet King Solomon in all his glory was never clothed as beautifully as they are. In all of God's creation, in the entire universe, only human beings worry. Animals don't worry. Plants don't worry. Angels don't worry. Only people worry. That's because people are the only ones who have the option not to trust God. Worry, it's unnatural. It's not the way God intended for it to be. And in fact, this one's a twofer. Next to unnatural, right? Unhealthy. Because it's unhealthy for you to worry. Your body is not designed to handle worry. When people say, I'm worried sick, they're right. Worry makes you sick. It causes all kinds of health problems. Proverbs 12.25 says, An anxious heart weighs a man down. It affects you physically when you worry. In fact, the word worry comes from an old English term that means to strangle or choke. And so when you are worried, you are strangling, you are choking the life out of yourself. An anxious heart weighs a man down. Proverbs teaches the opposite. Proverbs 14.30 says, A heart at peace gives life to the body. A heart at peace gives life to the body. You want to be healthier? Stop worrying. Third thing Jesus says, worry is unhelpful. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Worry cannot change the past. Worry cannot control the future. Worry can't change anything. The only thing it changes is you. And it makes you miserable. It makes you unhealthy. That's why it's unhelpful. Fourth reason Jesus says never to worry. Because worry is unnecessary. Matthew 6.30 If God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, won't he most surely care for you? Oh, you of little faith. He says, what are you worried about? Don't you think God's going to take care of you? Don't you think God's going to meet your needs? He made you, created you, he saved you, he loves you, he put his spirit inside of you. Don't you think he's going to take care of you? Worry's unnecessary. Now, I've told you many times in this series that happiness is a choice. You are as happy or as unhappy as you choose to be. You can't blame your husband, your wife, you can't blame anybody else. You are as happy as you choose to be. Happiness is a choice. So is worry. So is worry. So if you're going to reduce the stress in your life, you have to choose to 
to refuse to worry about anything because it's unhelpful, unreasonable, unnatural, unnecessary. You know, Paul tells us not to worry. Jesus tells us not to worry. Peter chimes in, 1 Peter 5, 7. He says, unload all your worries on God since he is looking after you. And the word unload, it literally means to drop it. It means to let it go, to unload it, to lay it down. Never worry about anything because it's not going to do any good anyway. God says all that stuff that's stressing you out, just dump it. Get rid of it. So, don't worry about anything. Second part of the verse. Number two, if you're going to reduce your stress, you talk to God about everything. Talk to God about everything. You don't panic, you pray. Don't worry, worship. Stop talking to yourself, start talking to God. Talking to yourself won't do anything. Talking to God will. Philippians 4, 6, never worry about anything. Instead, in every situation, let God know what you need in your prayers and in your requests. In your prayers and your requests. If you prayed as much as you worry, you'd have a lot less to worry about. God knows what you need. It's not your job to figure out how God's going to do this. Your job is just to express the need and tell him, God, this is what this, I need your help. But when you worry instead of, of pray, when you worry instead of asking God, you're acting like an atheist. Worry is practical atheism. Worry is saying, I don't think there's a God out there who's going to help me. Worry says, I don't think God's going to take care of me. Worry is acting like a spiritual orphan. James 4.2 says, you do not have because you do not ask. And so the key is to ask more, worry less. Worry about nothing, pray about everything. Even the small things. You know, sometimes we think, oh, this isn't... This is just small. I can just handle this on my own. This isn't worth bothering God with. Listen, there are, for God, there are no big problems and little problems. Every problem is the same size. You know, they're, they're just all doable. You know, God solved your biggest problem. Look at this. Let's read Romans uh, eight thirty-two. Let's read this together. Since God did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he who gave us Christ also give us everything else we need. Your biggest problem was a spiritual problem. Your biggest problem is your sin problem. Biggest problem is you couldn't get into heaven. Heaven is a perfect place. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect. So nobody's getting in. Because you've got to be perfect to be there. God's perfect. We're not. We're doomed. So God sent His perfect Son to come to earth and live a perfect life, to die on the cross as a perfect sacrifice so that by putting our faith in him, we could be perfected. The Bible says that Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith. We trust in Christ. He makes us perfect so we can get into heaven. God's already solved your biggest problem. Now, if he solved your biggest problem, don't you think he'll come along and mop up everything else behind I mean, if he loves you enough to cover your sin, don't you think he'll, uh, he loves you enough to take care of your finances and your health and your marriage and your career and all the other stuff? There's no area of your life that God's not interested in. There's no area that God isn't able to take care of you. But we must ask him. We must respond in faith in order for him to do it. Number three, third thing you do. 
Proverbs 4, 6 says, don't worry about anything, pray about everything. And then it says, when you ask God for what you need, also thank him for all he's done. Thank him for all he's done. Always ask with a thankful heart because there's a direct connection between gratitude and happiness. You cannot be happy and ungrateful at the same time. Grateful people are happy. Ungrateful people are unhappy. And study after study has shown that the healthiest emotion, the healthiest emotion physically, emotionally, and spiritually is an attitude of gratitude. The more you build thankfulness and gratitude into your life, the happier, the healthier you become. Do you know that gratitude, thankfulness, actually raises your immunities? When you are thankful, it changes the chemistry of your brain, it changes the chemistry of your body, and it builds your immunities. Do you know that unthankfulness, uh, being ungrateful, bitterness, resentment, changes the chemistry of your brain? It changes the chemistry of your body. It lowers your immunity. It makes you sick. You know, that's, that's why 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You know, God's will for you is not that you are sick and resentful and bitter and, and uh, prone to illness. No, God's desire for you is that you live a life of joy, that you live a life of health and wellness and wholeness, and that comes through thankfulness. Now, God has a plan for every area of your life. God has a plan for your marriage, for your career, for your education. But he says, before we get into those specifics, I need you to work on the general. And the general is learn to be grateful in every situation. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Give God thanks for all he's done. This is the will of God for you. And if you do it, your stress will go down and your joy will go up. Fourth step. Think about good things. Think about good things. The stress war in life rages between your ears. The stress war isn't fought out there. The stress war is fought inside here. The battle is in the brain. And what you fill your mind with will determine the level of stress in your life. You know, most people, their mind's like a freeway. They'll just let anything in. They fill their mind, fill their mind with poison and garbage. Mind's, brain's like a computer, garbage in, garbage out. And whatever you put in your mind, that's what's going to come out of your life. And so people see movies they shouldn't see. They watch shows they shouldn't watch. They read books they shouldn't read. They look at stuff they shouldn't look at. They listen to music they shouldn't look at. They worry about water pollution, air pollution, and food pollution. They need to be worried about mind pollution because mind pollution is the one that will get you. That's the one that will destroy you. Oh, pastor, I'm just being open-minded. Well, you can be so open-minded your brain falls out. Okay? You don't want to do that. Philippians 4.8 Fill your mind with those things that are true and good and right. Think about things that are pure and beautiful and respected. If anything is excellent, if anything is worthy of honor, think about those things. God gives you eight filters that you use to determine if you want to let a thought into your brain. You know, before I listen or watch or read or look at something, I need to ask, is it true? Is it good? Is it right? Is it pure? Is it beautiful? Is it respected? Is it excellent? Is it worthy of honor? If not, then don't let it in. Now, does that sound like most television and movies today? No. No. 
I mean, the heroes today on television are zombies and vampires, serial killers, crack addicts, meth dealers, corrupt politicians, and perverts. That's entertainment? No. Proverbs says, fools make fun of sin. It's foolish to fill your mind up with that stuff. Now, when you think about things that are true, good, right, pure, beautiful, respected, excellent, and worthy. Do you know what you're thinking about? That's a picture of God. Your Paul is saying, think about God. In fact, on your outline there where you wrote the word good, just cross out one of those O's because you need to think about God. You need to think about God things. Isaiah says, you, Lord, will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, whose thoughts are fixed on you. What you think about is going to determine how stressed and how worried you are. Corey Tenboom is a Holocaust survivor. Uh, her family experienced horrible things. Their whole community, horrible things happened. And she said, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. If you look at Christ, you'll be at rest. You know, you need to fix your eyes on Jesus Christ. Fifth step, if you want to reduce stress, you need to learn to be content with anything. Be content with anything. Now, do not confuse contentment with having no ambition. You know, too many people confuse contentment with complacency. But Paul, the guy who wrote this passage, and wrote a lot of the Bible, Paul's one of the most ambitious people who ever lived. Paul single-handedly took the gospel throughout the whole Roman Empire. He's one of the most ambitious people ever, and he says, I've learned to be content. So obviously contentment is not laziness. Contentment is not apathy. It's not complacency. Contentment is not fatalism. Ah, whatever's going to happen will happen. doesn't matter what I do. Contentment is not settling for the status quo. What is it? Contentment is enjoying what I have right now rather than waiting for something or someone else to make me happy. Contentment is enjoying what I've got right now. Doesn't mean I don't want progress. Doesn't mean I don't set any goals. It means I'm not waiting to achieve those goals in order to be happy. It's the opposite of when-then thinking. You know, we get, we get sucked into the when-then trap. You know, when I grow up, then I'll be happy. When I, you know, get out of college, then I'll be happy. When I get a job, then I'll be happy. When I get married, then I'll be happy. When I have kids, then I'll be happy. When the kids get out of the house, then I'll be happy. You know, it's when-then thinking. No. Contentment is independent of your circumstances. My happiness is not dependent on my happenings. I've learned to enjoy whatever I have going on right now. I'm not waiting for someone or something else to make me happy. Paul says this, verse 11 and 12. He says, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know how to live on almost nothing or I know how to live with everything. Paul had been at both ends of the spectrum. He had been rich, he had been poor. He says, I've learned the secret of contentment in every situation, whether I'm well-fed or hungry, or whether I have more than I need or I don't have enough. Paul says, I learned to be content. How do you and I learn to be content? I'm going to give you three tips. No, pl- no fill-in for this, you'll just have to write them down somewhere on your outline. 
First tip for contentment, stop comparing. Because comparing yourself with other people leads to discontentment. And it's foolish to compare. Because if you compare, and you're always going to find somebody who's doing better than you, and now you're discouraged. Or you find somebody that you're doing better than, and now you're proud. And so whether it's discouragement or pride, either one, you're dead in the water. Either one, either one, you're done. So don't compare yourself. When you compare, you get jealous, you get envious. The Bible says peace of mind makes the body healthy, but envy is like a cancer. If you compare and you get jealous and envy sets in, it's like a cancer that eats you emotionally, uh, spiritually, even physically. Envy eats you up. That phrase, peace of mind, makes the body healthy. The word for peace of mind is the same word as contentment. Contentment makes the body healthy. Just enjoy what you have. Stop comparing yourself with everybody else. You are who you are. You have what you have. Forget everybody else. And just enjoy where you're at. Second tip for learning contentment. Stop thinking that having more is better. There are three myths that our, that our culture puts out there constantly. They say, having more will make me more happy. Having more will make me more important. Having more will make me more secure. None of those three is true. In fact, all those three are lies. They are lies that suck you in. Having more doesn't make you happy. I mean, you know that. You, there, there are lots of people who have more who are miserable. Happiness isn't based on quantity. There's no correlation between happiness and amount. So don't fall for the lie that if I just had more, I would be more happy. If you're not happy with what you got, you're not going to be happy with more. Having more doesn't make you more important. Some of the most trivial, pitiable people have more. Your value is not determined by your valuables. Your your self-worth is not determined by your net worth. It's based on who you are, not what you own. So don't fall for the lie. If I just had more, I would be more important. I would have more value. No, you have an intrinsic value as a a creation, as a child of God. It's not based on what you have. Next, having more will make you more secure. Having more just means you have more to lose. You can lose it all in a heartbeat, no matter how much you have. So you've got to stop thinking. Don't fall for the lie that having more will make you more happy, or having more will make you more important, or having more will make you more secure. None of those are true. You've got to find your happiness, your value, your security in something that you can never lose, something that can never be taken from you. And if I put my security in my job, it can be taken from me. If I put my security in my bank account, I can lose it. I can lose it in a moment. If I put my security in my health, I can lose that. If I put my security in my good looks, I've already lost it. Okay? I've got to put my security in something that can't be taken from me. And that's my relationship with God. Ecclesiastes 4, it's better to only have a little with peace of mind than to be busy all the time with both hands trying to catch the wind. We buy things we can't afford with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. 
and we wind up slaves to debt. We become possessed by our possessions. And it turns us into workaholics who are working harder and harder and harder, more and more stress trying to pay for it all. Now, there's nothing wrong with possessions. There's nothing wrong with wealth. As long as the possessions don't possess you. That's the key. If your whole life is working harder, trying to pay for more stuff, you've missed the point. That leads to the third tip here about being content. You need to learn to admire without having to acquire. Okay? I don't have to own it in order to enjoy it. Okay? I can admire, I can enjoy things without owning them. In fact, ownership is a pain. If you own stuff, you've got to insure it, you've got to maintain it, you've got to pay taxes on it, you've got to store it, you've got to haul it, you've got to protect it. If somebody steals it, it's your loss. So why not rent it? <laughs> rent it. Use it. Give it back. Let the other guy maintain it, insure it, pay for it. You know, why, why buy a tool you're going to use only once or twice a year? Why buy a boat or an RV or a jet ski that's going to sit in the driveway 90% of the time? Let somebody else take care of it. Rent it, enjoy it, wear it out, give it back to them. Okay? You don't have to own it to enjoy it. That's part of contentment. Now, these five strategies are very easy to explain. They're very hard to do. It's not easy to worry about nothing. It's not easy to pray about everything. It's not easy to thank God in everything. It's not easy to think about God things. Our mind is just bent a different direction. It's not easy to be content with anything. So where am I going to get the energy? Where am I going to get the strength to do these things? Paul tells us that in verse 13, one of the most famous passages in the Bible. He says, I have the strength to face anything and everything by the power that Christ gives me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can worry about nothing when Christ gives me the strength. I can pray about everything when Christ gives me the strength. I can thank God in all things when Christ gives me the strength. I can think about good things, God things, when Christ gives me the strength. I can be content with anything when Christ gives me the strength. The, the bottom line of this, of this stress deal, the bottom line is it comes down to obedience. The Bible tells us over and over and over not to worry. The Bible tells us over and over and over, commands us to trust in Christ. The question is, are we going to obey him? Are we going to do it? Job twenty two twenty one. Obey God and be at peace with him. This is the way to happiness. The real reason you're not at peace is because you're at war with God. If you don't have peace with God, you're not going to have the peace of God. And the, the only way you can make peace with God, the only way you can end the stress war is to surrender is to surrender because you don't have the strength to win it. God's bigger than you are. And so you just got to surrender and turn your life over to him. And it starts with obedience. Let's pray together. I'm just going to pray this prayer. I would invite you just in the quietness of your heart and mind, just say, me too, God, me too. Father, I don't want to be stressed out. 
I want to learn the habits of happiness. And you have promised that if I do these things, I will experience your peace. And so, God, I'm claiming the guarantee. I'm holding you to your word. I don't have the strength to do these. I need Christ to give me the strength. I need Christ to give me the strength to worry about nothing. To remember that it's unreasonable, unnatural, unhealthy, unnecessary. God, you've promised to take care of me. Help me to worry about nothing. Help me to pray about everything. I need Christ to give me the strength to stop talking to myself and to start talking to you. I need Christ to give me the strength to thank you in all things. I need Christ to give me the strength to think about God things, think about good things. And God, I ask Christ to give me the strength to be content with anything, to not fall into the trap of pursuing more, of being possessed by my possessions. God, help me to break free and to be content. God, I want to have peace with you so I can have the peace of God. And I know the only way I can get it is just to surrender. And so today I ask Christ to come into my life, forgive me of my sins, bind up my wounds. God, transform my mind, change my wants and desires. Give me the contentment, the peace that comes from trusting in you. You have promised, God, you have promised to do it. And today I'm holding you to your promise. I'm taking you at your word. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.